Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and to our Forest Ramble discussion for the international break. We're recording on Sunday the 15th of October, and I am your host, Rich Ferraro. In today's podcast, we're going to cover Forest season so far, 13th in the league, and a new style of football. With players bedding in, we think about the balance of the squad, and we look forward to the next few rounds of games and revisit our pre-season predictions. All this and more, plus we hear from you, the listeners, who play a game of Guess That Red, and Jeremy Davis pops up with his latest sketch. That's all coming up in this episode of 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. So let's say hello to today's panel, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and who their favourite player has been so far this season. So I'm going to start off with the voice of experience, Tom Newton. Morning, Nottingham and the world. So my favourite player this season has to be Callum Hudson-Odoi for three million quid or whatever it was. He's been an absolute bargain and um, his goal against Burnley um, epitomised that and I just hope he's going to get uh, better as the season goes on. Fabulous. The voice of youth, George Edwards. I'll take that. Uh, So my player of the season so far is Olerena. I think for a free signing, he's came in. He's shored up the defence and he's looked like he's been there for years. Um, it was key in games like the Arsenal game, the Burnley game. And he's really built up a stable partnership down that left-hand side. So I'm sure when he comes back and he's into that left-back role, he'll kick on and carry on being the perfect left-back that he has been so far. Fabulous. And last but very much not least, the voice of wrestling, Adam, the cycling defender. <laughs> uh, that's not too bad. I'd say that as well. Um I would say Dominguez for me. You know, he's come in, he's he's just, he's looked like he's got absolutely everything. He can spread the ball, past the ball. He can get, he can arrive late in the box and score goals. He just looks like an absolute baller. Fabulous. Now, we're going to hear your views, listeners, on the best new signings and your player of the season so far a little bit later on. But for now, let's start off 
with the latest goings on at the city ground. Hi, it's Callum with the 1865 News Roundup. Hope you're all well. We'll start with international news as it's the international break. So we've got Czech Koyate and Musa Niakate away with Senegal at the moment. They both featured in a 1-0 loss to Algeria recently. Nico Williams and Wayne Hennessy are away with Wales. They both featured in a 4-0 win over Gibraltar. Anthony Lang is away with Sweden and they beat Moldova 3-1 in the week. Vlakodimos is away with Greece. He kept a clean sheet against Ireland in a 2-0 win. Andrew Amabamadeli was on the bench for Ireland. Scott McKenna is away with Scotland. They lost 2-0 to Spain in the week. Um, Chris Wood scored an equaliser against Congo for New Zealand during the week. Um, Arel Mangala is with Belgium. They beat Austria 3-2. And Montiel is away with Argentina. They beat Paraguay 1-0. He didn't feature... And Matt Turner and Horvath are both away with USA, who haven't featured yet. And Sangare, Sergio Aurier and Willy Bolly are all away with the Ivory Coast. Um, so they haven't played yet either, so they're looking to feature over the weekend. Um, we've also got, keeping with the international feature, we've got Ola Aina and Awanyi, who both play for Nigeria and are both injured at the moment, so they didn't travel with their countries, but they have been drawn in Group A for AFCON with Ivory Coast, who also have Sangare, Bali and Aurier, so they will all face each other, so hopefully they'll all be kind to each other and hope that make sure that they all come back uninjured. Um, England under-21s played at the city ground and won comfortably 9-1 throughout the week as well. Um, and we had the news that Awani is unfortunately injured for a month with a groin injury. Hopefully it's not that bad and hopefully the, uh, the fact that it's an international break will help his recovery. Um, and then lastly, also just a really good stat that was seen throughout the week is that Forrest are up five points on last season. The only teams that have, have gained more points from this position last year as Aston Villa, they're six points ahead of where they were last year, and West Ham, who are a whopping ten points ahead of where they were last year. They didn't start too well last season themselves. Um, but most importantly, we are up five points on last season, so it's been a really good start to the season by all accounts, and hopefully that will continue to improve. Take care. I'll be back again with the news soon. Thank you very much, Callum. Um, before we go on to a bit of a progress report from our panel, uh, just George, I'm just going to quickly come to you. Um, Callum mentioned that uh, Ethan Horvath is one of the Forest players away on international duty. And of course, he's going along to USA uh, duty, along with his uh, teammates at club and country level, Matt Turner. But Horvath isn't in the Forest squad. Do you think he's uh, justified in feeling a little hard done by? Probably, yeah. He's probably uh, a more fit number three than Wayne Hennessy at the minute, given his injury record and the fact that he's, what, 38. So he can be given unlucky. I suppose he wasn't in Cooper's plans. It was quite clear that the club wanted to move him on. And obviously Luton didn't come in to purchase him. And Forrest went the other way with uh, Turner and Fakodimos in the end. So he can probably count himself unlucky, but I'm not sure. It wasn't Cooper's signing and Cooper's never really... Um, given him that much game time, you know, when um, him and Samba were in the predicament in the championship, uh, Samba swiftly came in. I know that was because of an international thing. So I think Cooper's never really favoured Horvath, but he can probably count himself unlucky and I'm sure he'll be looking to move on in January. And Adam, uh, just uh, to come to you on this one, 
by from what we've read, it sounds as though Horvath was left out of the squad because rather than being the third choice keeper, he wanted to go somewhere and get first team football. He must feel that Luton did the dirty on him because they said, no, no, it's too much money. And they've signed Kaminsky, who's uh, who cost more and is apparently on higher wages. So, uh, yeah, you can't blame Horvath. There's a reason he had a glum face in the team photo, wasn't there? Yeah, and, and especially when you read that the rumoured fee was about two million quid for, for Luton signing, it really wasn't a lot. And I don't think Forrest really would have played hardball on the fee. But I think Forrest would have just been happy to sell him and get him off the wage bill. Um, look, I, 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 he's not a Premier League quality goalkeeper. I think, I think that's what it comes down to. And I think that might, I mean, that might be harsh, but unfortunately we have to be harsh. For the aspirations that we have as a football club, we need to be harsh. But your third choice goalkeeper rarely matters. Like, if, if we come down to it, it will rarely ever matter. Like Scott Carson doesn't play for Man City a lot, does he? Like it, it, it's it's just one of them things where Hennessy's fine for for what we want. But yeah, Luton not signing him is a really strange one because when you get promoted, and this is something that we found out at the start of last season, you want to try and keep the nucleus of the team that got you promoted because they play together, they know the system, they know how they're going to play. And a goalkeeper in modern-day football is a big part of that. So Luton not retaining his services is... It, it was a really strange one, and I think he's a bit in no-man's land now, but I suppose he's he's getting paid to train every week, and you know the, there's benefits to it, and hopefully he gets to move in January. Yeah, thank you to Adam and George. Um, now, let's think about progress. So, Tom, the Reds are 13th in the table. They've won two, they've drawn three, and they've lost three. So we've got nine points from eight games and a goal difference of minus two. But, but crucially, Tom, as Callum mentioned, in terms of points and I suppose the feel of how we're doing, we are, there's definite progress from last season, isn't there, Tom? Yeah, there's definite progress. And also, it's a matter of Steve Cooper uh, starting again in terms of, um, new players coming in, etc. So it's going to take time. I mean, he's he's already proven that he's managed to get points on the board last season when we had the influx of players last summer. Then obviously when uh, Navas and Felipe uh, came in in uh, the January. So he has got experience and a track record of doing that. So yeah, it's steady progress. Um, there's still things still need to be uh, tweaked, etc. I mean, um, with um, Alanga, Hudson Odoi, and Awani. Um, I was expecting a bit more like uh, attacking threat. Um, but obviously the game against Brentford, it was a case of after 55 minutes, that game plan was technically out the window and we had to like um, be happy with the draw after Nia Carter got uh, sent off uh, kind of thing. So uh, yeah, steady progress, uh, but I still think there's uh, still room for improvement once everything knits together. And um, But yeah, we're going in the right direction. And and George, in the match report after you'd been to Crystal Palace, you spent a bit of time talking about, I suppose, the evolution of the style of play, which obviously is is one of Cooper's stated aims and one of the club's stated aims. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's been there's been problems here and there, but on the whole, do you think Cooper will be feeling satisfied with the way that's going? That that evolution. A hundred percent. I think you look at where Forest were last season, and yes, they were points down, but. They didn't look like a Premier League side. And I don't think they looked like a Premier League side until the new year, pretty much. They were fighting to be in games, to have a few shots on goal and never looked like grabbing anything from any game. And we were thinking, where are the points coming from? Whereas 
now we're in a more comfortable position where we can experiment things and we can try new things knowing that we look like a decently established Premier League side. And I think everyone wanted us to slightly change the style. Cooper obviously had to go that way and shore up something because we had a, an attack that couldn't score and a defence that couldn't keep out goals. So he addressed the defence and then slowly worked on the attack and everything's going to be a slow process. But I think we all wanted Forrest to have the ball because we were going to games, watching the other side pass it around and hoping we could have something on the counter-attack with Johnson. So obviously Forrest losing Johnson, they probably had to slightly change the style as well. So I think it's finding that balance with the new um, possession style because I think I mentioned against Palace, there were times where we didn't, we didn't sort of take the long ball or the risky pass that we would have in the old way. So it's finding that balance between the slow build-up style that we're, we're going towards, but also taking the counter-attacking chances when we when we can. But the club certainly, like Tom said, heading in the di- right direction. And we certainly look uh, a better side than we did this time last year. And the points reflect that. Mm. And uh, Tom, you were at Palace as well, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, so um, do you think that maybe what George alluded to there, that idea about making those risky passes, if... Taiwo had been fit then maybe there'd have been a bit more chance of that happening because he's going to play off the shoulder of the of the defender yeah we've said this um after the game no disrespect to Chris Wood because uh, I know he probably like looks the same in stature as Awani but he probably hasn't got that uh, burst of pace off the um, shoulder of the last defender etc so uh, yeah I thought if we had Awani on the pitch I think we would have um, won that game because we was defensively sound I mean uh, Palace didn't have many uh, opportunities um, and we looked sort of really good going forward. It was just that like final third and that final pass. We're probably just like lacking that bit of quality. I mean, uh, Chris Wood, he, he has uh, done a job for us this season, um, especially against Sheffield United, but he's not going to run up, say, he's got not going to run off uh, Mark Gurhey, for example, where a one he might, uh, as he's proven that in previous games. So, yeah, I think if we did have a one he playing last week against um, Palace, I think we would have um, probably won it like 1 0 or 2 0 or something like that because of his. Um, status um, up front and um, and he just gives you something a bit different than Chris Wood does. Just as an aside, Tom, uh, were you surprised when you saw Serge Aurier went off at, at half-time? Were you surprised when you saw Chris Wood coming out wearing the armband for Forrest? Uh, no, not really, to be honest, because um, Steve Cooper's mentioned about Steve um, Chris Wood in the past that is part of the... Um, the group, the, the leadership group and everything, and with his experience. Um, so I, I wasn't really surprised, but it did t- uh, take us a bit longer to find out who the actual um, captain was after Serge Aurier went off. But yeah, I'm not surprised. And I think he's just got that like um, bit of know-how and experience, hasn't he? And a lot of the younger players might look up to Chris Wood as a good leader on and off the field. Well, I mean, obviously, um, Worrell and Yates are our captain and vice-captain in, in terms of uh, being the, the, the Nottingham heart the beating heart of a Nottingham team. But uh, Serge Aurier and Chris Wood are both captains of their country, so I guess that's not to be sniffed at. I think was more of a surprise to me. And it's very hard to see who's wearing the armband because there's a white armband on a white sleeve. But um, is Morgan just um, <laughs> adopted the armband, even though Yatesy had come on a little bit later on? Yeah, and I think the Premier League have like changed the style of the captain's armband. It looks very plain this season compared to like previous seasons where there's like a bit of a, a different colour banding on it with the um, Premier League uh, Lion logo, um, etc. So yeah, it does look a bit plain. It's something like you get from like Sports Direct rather than the Premier League this season. <laughs> Cost cutting at the Premier League. Maybe it's yeah. uh, to cover yeah. other things. Um, yeah. Adam, uh, going back to the style of play, 
against Burnley, we put out an attacking team. We put out four attackers. We had uh, Alanga, Hudson-Odoi, uh, Gibbs-White and Awanyi. Didn't really work. So still some still some some work to do on the training ground in terms of tactics, don't you think? Well, absolutely. But I think you look at, like, you touch on last season. I think last season we played a, a brand and a style of football that we didn't want to play. You know, that wasn't Cooper's ideology. He didn't say... He, it had, he's not a sort of manager that wants to go out and have 20% possession and hopefully nick a goal. You know, last season was completely just needs most, let's stay in the Premier League. That, that was all that mattered. So this season, we were all, always going to play a more expansive type of football. Against Burnley, I think it was just, we. there were moments and there were flashes of what we want to do, but we just couldn't tie that together. We couldn't kind of get that rhythm going, get that flow going. But I, I will 100% call for patience because for me, I've seen enough to show me that going through throughout the season, as we begin to progress this play, as we begin to really put this ideology into place, we will end up, I, I personally think, blowing teams away. I think we're a good side. I think we've got some fantastic players this season. I think against Palace, you saw a lot of good, a lot of positives, a lot of how we want to play. And unfortunately, we, we didn't win. But you go to Palace away and a lot of teams will go to Palace away this season and have a tough time. They're a good team. I think we're sat on the points we are, but realistically, you look back at at least what the Brentford game, the Man United game, the Palace game, could have won any of them on a different day. And then we were, then we talk, then we're getting silly nosebleed section of the Premier League. So no, there's a lot to be positive about and it's uh, it's very nice to be a Forest fan, I feel at the minute. Tom? Just on about the squad, um, obviously I'm a bit older than Adam and George is that I've been going to Forest for 25, nearly 30 years now. And this Forest squad, pound for pound, it's the best Forest squad I've ever seen. Um, and he asked, I will either go on record to say it's even stronger than the team what finished third in the Premier League in 94, 95, because you had the likes of like Colin Moore, Roy, Wone, etc. If any of them got injured, you was like relying on, no disrespect to them, but you were relying on the likes of um, Jason Lee and, uh, and others. Um, but if you look at Robert this... Robert Rosario, Gary Ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, lack of quality. But when you look at the uh, squad, um, so say, for example, um, a one is out injured. I know um, you've got Divock Origi and you've got uh, Chris Wood who... I've got Premier League quality and then you look beyond that and you've got even players who can't even get into the like the match day squad, et cetera. So it just shows you the strength and depth. And I think if we keep ticking along nicely, um, we don't have to have to have a, like a huge uh, influx of players every summer. We can like, instead of, I think Dan Fletcher mentioned it on a pre on another uh, podcast, uh, which is out there in terms of, because Forest have got this like nucleus of a decent squad. They don't have to go out and spend uh, spend a load of money on like 10 players. They can probably like spend like 30, 40 million on one player and it just keeps things ticking over. And I think it's with Forrest, they will know where when a player's like needs to be sold. And if you can replace that player adequately, I think we'd be fine because Leicester just like kept players too off too long, but then they've got no resale value and look where they are now. I know the top of the championship, but I don't think deep down Leicester fans want to be in the championship when they won the Premier League a few years ago. So yeah, if we keep things ticking on nicely, um, the club is in a very good position and who knows where it might take us. Yeah, and um, I think certainly that point about squad turnover, I think it's an inevitability in, in the modern game. Uh, George, 
is this the best slightly different to a set of goalposts but is this the best forest squad you could have hoped for um given the kind of the the ups and downs and also the level of squad turnover are you happy with the way that forest has strategized this transfer window a hundred percent i think the thing that forest have been missing over the past 10 years that i've been going is stability every year we'd be having two managers a season those managers want to bring in their own players and every transfer window it was 15 in january it was another 10 and it's been that cycle for for well all i've known really sporting forest so I think now we're in the Premier League, it's where we want to be. We've got a manager that clearly the owner and the fans trust. And now we can, as Tom says, start to make those signings that you know, hone in on where we want to go, as opposed to having to have an influx of new players. So I think Forest strengthened really well in the transfer window. And you look at the players that they moved out, it was players that had to go. Um, and the recruitment, like the swapping for Freuler and Dominguez, is, the, the difference has been unreal. I mean, Dominguez is... is double, triple the player that Freuler is, no disrespect to him. And maybe, you know, he'll thrive being back in Italian football where he seems to be better. And on the international stage, we just never saw that Freuler that we hoped we would. But it's those type of things that Forrest have replaced really well, have strengthened really well. And particularly defensively, um, we've got reinforcements all over the pitch in defence and midfield. I think we're maybe a bit light on the wings because Elangan probably looks slightly better coming off the bench and then we've maybe only got Hudson Adoy as a starting player but you can't have it all and I'm really impressed with with how Forest have gone about their business in the transfer window and you know it's looking increasingly more like a, a decent solid Premier League squad that can go toe-to-toe with teams like Brentford, Palace, Fulham that are reasonably established teams. And, and George you made the point in the Palace report didn't you that that actually the fact that Forest did go toe-to-toe with Palace at Selhurst Park suggests that there's every hope that Forest can make progress to become a, a mid-table Premier League team. And that's not to be sniffed at, is it? No, that's all we've ever wanted, isn't it? And having been a mid-table championship team for 23 years, I know we spent our time in League One, but a mid-table Premier League team, I think, is all that we could have ever asked for. And you look at teams, we're going in the right direction. You see Villa, Brighton, who are up there in the Premier League, it hasn't happened overnight for teams like them. So ultimately going in that direction will be the club's aim. But you've got to take slow steps. And this season it might be about finishing 15th with a decent style of football. Then we'll move up to finishing 10th. And it's not going to happen overnight. But we've got a solid manager, a solid set of players, a trusting owner. And I think that's all you could want as a, as a Premier League club now. Mm. Uh, Tom, a couple of weeks ago, you you did talk about the the exchange of Freuler and Dominguez, and and you made the point, didn't you, that Freuler's it's not that he's a bad player; it's just that maybe his attributes weren't weren't best utilised in the Premier League, where the game is that much faster. I think possibly he also suffered slightly by virtue of the fact that we had to go defensive, and he ended up playing this number six role, which I think for Switzerland he certainly plays as more of a number eight. Um, but in terms of transfer strategy. That is surely the best example of Forrest being more targeted, being more considered and not just signing players for the sake of it, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. And and another thing is, I think Dominguez is uh, considerably younger than um, Freuler anyway. So hopefully he's going to grow in this side and be an absolute, the, the core in that midfield for Forrest. Uh, but yeah, going back to Freuler, I think Dominguez is everything we wanted for, well, what we hope Broler will be, but when you only get like 20% possession, etc., he just suffered uh, from it. And 
and we didn't see much of the ball and you don't get 80 caps for Switzerland and playing numerous um, international tournaments if you're no good. So, yeah, I just think, yeah, no disrespect to him. He just suffered with how things happened last season, etc. But now, obviously, we're looking to evolve and have more um, possession-based football. Um, then Dominguez is going to thrive under that, I believe. Okay. Um, Adam, one thing that was quite interesting is that we had some stats coming recently, which came from uh, kit manufacturing specialists, Pendle Sportswear. No, me neither. Um, But they shared some stats with us uh, recently. And it was basically saying about about the wage bills of each club. And the thing that was really, really interesting there was that we found that um, Forest have actually reduced their wage bill quite considerably. Um, was that a big surprise to you? I'd say yes and no. I mean, obviously Lingard left and Lingard was on some pretty decent wages. I think Froiler was probably on more than what Dominguez is on um, just because Froiler came in as an established international and an established player. So that puts him probably on a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of players from last season that have left and or have moved on or have gone out on loan so their wages are being subsidized by other clubs as well so i think the only one that the only way that surprised me is because i'd like to probably i mean it doesn't matter what people are on really i've never really understood when people like to research them what people are on is because it's it's not really that important in a way but someone like sangare because sangare is such a blockbuster sign for forest like he's a he's a top 10 like defensive midfielder in the Premier League in my opinion I think he's an unbelievable footballer um, I would like to see what he's done because we would have probably doubled his wages from when he was in Holland but yeah I, I think the thing is with the club at the moment last season we, we knew that coming up that we were promoted on the back of a lot of loan players and a lot of the loan players went back to the clubs and then we had players that were aging out a little bit so we knew that there would be a decent amount of signings did we know it would be 25 plus no, because that's completely unheard of. But we knew that last season we'd have to bring in a lot of people. We'd have to pay them. I don't want to say what they want, but I don't think we had as much wiggle room on negotiations last season because we had to get bodies through the door to keep us in the league. And also, Adam, um, I mean, is there something to be said for the fact that last season, for all the kind of the, the media headlines and everything... Forest were essentially signing two sets of players, weren't they? They were signing a set of players they could hope they could keep them in the Premier League, and they were also signing a set of players in case they didn't stay in the Premier League. Whereas this season, Forest are signing just one set of players to establish themselves in the Premier League. So it's a different game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's it. And we had, I mean, we had a lot of players that we signed, and all players that were still at the club that weren't even involved in the squad that was still on decent wages, so they got shifted. So. You know, we got rid of a, a decent amount of players this summer. Um, we brought, we still brought in a lot. We probably brought in more than I would have liked, still personally. But that's going to take time, and it will come down. Um, and I think last next season, I think we're looking at three or four players of 30, 40 million pound quality, rather than the quantity of players. But look, we've reduced the squad a lot. We've got a lot of big earners out the door. But sustainability in a football club is not just about who you bring in. It's about getting the right fees and getting people off the wage bill as well. And I think we've done a much better job of that this summer. It looks like we're heading in the right direction anyway. And I think that's the positive. 
So, uh, Tom, with the wage bill coming down £8.3 million, so last year it was 75.2, and this year it's six, just shy of seven, 67, sorry, just shy of 67,000. Um, I can't get my numbers right. Just shy of 67 million. Um, so it's still eye-watering amounts of money for those of us in normal realm. But as a guide, um, we've got your Burnleys and your Brentfords and your Sheffield Uniteds um, who are sort of in the high 20s, low 30 millions. And of course, little old Luton who are on 23 million. Um, now they're not going to splash the cash much more. I mean, so two things. Number one, Brentford, what a job they're doing, considering the amount of money they actually spend. But then that's not our concern. I think what I'm thinking about here is our forest finally, for all that we've criticised them over the years, they're finally showing signs of a strategy, aren't they? Showing signs of a strategy in terms of buying and selling, in terms of off the pitch affairs, and also in terms of the numbers, knowing that FFP is, is a big issue. Yeah, I mean, the ball started rolling when Dave Murphy came in about bringing players in with a decent resale value. And obviously, as Adam mentioned, that last season we've had to get players through the door just to stay in the Premier League because it's like the Premier League's the Holy Grail. So, yeah, they're not going to get everything right because I think it'd be naive to think that every signing you're going to get through the door is going to be a success. But I think if they learn from the mistakes, which looking at the figures it looks like they are doing and having a strategy and and it's that's going to be like the bedrock of moving this club forward and etc i think we're going to be in a decent sp uh, place in the next uh, few years if they keep carrying on this good work but yeah it just shows that there's a strategy there in terms of like the getting players in with a with potential who are good now but can be even better i.e murillo so the way if he carries on the way he's playing i, I don't he's not going to be a Forest player in the like, next three or four years. He's going to go on to bigger and better things because how he's looked in the first two games has been has been brilliant. So, But like I said, I've always said this in the past, which Forest have made an absolute <laughs> crash of it in terms of they've sold players but never like adequately replaced them. And I think they've, they've rectified that in the past few years where they've sold players but they've got like players of it equal value or equal potential etc to come in so if yeah if Forest like keep um evolving that way I think we'd be fine in the next uh, few years if um to stay in the Premier League yeah and, and George uh let's use the goalkeeper situation we'll come back to that as, a, as an illustration so Henderson would have cost probably 20-25 million he was on over a hundred thousand pounds a week um by signing Matt Turner and Odysseus wages wise they're probably paying about the same amount that they were paying for Henderson, but just but they're getting two keepers for that money. And in terms of transfer fees, well, it, it's been a bit of a no brainer. And that's even without thinking about the fact that the reason they didn't sign Henderson was because of the injury that's come back to, I was going to say bite him on the arse, it's bit him on the thigh, hasn't it? So, um, so that's a sign that Forrester are trying to think clever as well as signings like Murillo, isn't it? Yeah, and it's about having... Um, a plan and not just being rushed on deadline day, making loads of signings. And I know we made was it seven signings on deadline day, but there were signings that we'd heard, that have been rumoured for weeks. And often it, it can take till deadline day for people to pull the finger out and sign on the line and things like that. So it's it's just about like I said about the whole club having a strategy and and going in the right direction. And you look at the, the wages that Forrester are, are paying out. It's very similar to clubs like Crystal Palace who are establishing the Premier League, West Ham, Newcastle. 
and you look at that list and Forest aren't too far away from that and obviously wages don't reflect results but um, they're going in the right direction. I think also the amount of players that Forest have always had has always been top heavy. I mean, I remember like when I play FIFA and <laughs> I go on to the next season and all the lone players come flooding back in and there's about 40 players in there and Forest have just got to try and trim that number down and as they do that, the wages will come down and then that means they've got more money to spend on higher quality players. So it's, I mean, it's gone down by about, I think it's about 170k a week, which is, that's about three players' wages, isn't it? So mm-hmm. they're saving money now. They've got a bit of money to spend in January. And it's just about that plan that's been laid out, set out, and that's coming through, really. And Adam, just to round off on this topic, uh, one of the other things to do with strategy, um, I mean, Tom alluded to it there. The thing with Murillo, Sangare, Dominguez, they're all players where they might not be Forest players in two, three years' time, but if they do move on, we can be hopeful that we'll have, we'll receive double the money that we paid. But that's signs of a sustainable club, really. I mean, it's what Brighton do. Um, you can look at Brighton, Aston Villa, you know, teams like that as a model and say, you know what, there's no reason we can't be that. Like, you know, we're, you know, no disrespect to Brighton or anything like that, but we are, probably a larger club than Brighton. You know, we, we do have the potential to do exactly what they've done. They obviously raid the South American market. They obviously go to Ecuador, Argentina. You know, they've got players through like Caicedo, Alexis McAllister, you know, players of that nature, Purvis Estupinian. Like they have players that obviously Estupinian came from Villarreal, but originally obviously in South America. So it's kind of, they have that network set up and it looks like we're doing the same thing. You know, Murillo, Danilo, um, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if Murillo turns into a 70, 80, 90 million pound player in a couple of years' time because he's got all the attributes. He's really good with his feet. His distribution is fantastic. He's strong. He's he's quick. He's deceptively big as well. You know, when I saw him first, he just looked like he'd be small and he's actually really big. Like he's actually really tall. So, yeah. I absolutely love that Forrest are adapting this model of going to South America and picking up gems because it is the football manager model that I'm sure we've all done at some point. Going into South America, taking the young talents, bringing them in, selling them on for a big profit. It's how you stay afloat in the Premier League. It's how you stay competitive. It, you take the next step if you can replace them adequately. That's the, that's the tough part, isn't it? But if you're telling players when they come in, You've got the opportunity to be on the state on the Premier League stage and perform here, and we accept that in two or three years' time you'll leave. I, I think that is a positive. It might sound like a negative on a short term, but it is positive long term. Mm. Well, okay. Thank you very much to everyone for your opinions there. Um, we're going to leave that part of the discussion, and in a few minutes we'll be back with a bit more, and we'll hear from you, the listeners, and we'll have a game of Guess That Red. But now it's the welcome return of this. The 1865 Sketch by Jeremy Davis. Forrest and Brentford had the fixture list all to themselves on Sunday the 1st of October when they played at the city ground and it was lovely to have a match of the day too focused so completely on a Forrest match. Being the only game in town meant we got the full treatment with Jason Mohammed on the touchline rather than in the studio along with two former Forrest players in Jermaine Genus and Glenn Murray. If I were a Brentford fan, I might have felt a little put out, but selfishly I was pretty pleased with the Forest centricity, reflecting that this must be how it feels to be a Man United fan, albeit less depressing. 
These Match of the Day roadshows are great fun, always coming across a bit less slick than the studio-based versions. The show opened with Mohammed walking along the touchline, doing a piece to camera, the kind of thing that, for anyone who has ever seen It'll Be Alright on the Night, seems perfectly set up for him to trip over and sprawl face-first on the turf in a manner not seen at the city ground since Jürgen Klinsmann was last in town. Alas, nothing happened, and our Jason, unlike Musinia Kate, stayed on his feet throughout. Through another quirk of the footballing fates, it happened to be close enough to Steve Cooper's second anniversary in charge to give them an opportunity to put together one of those slow-motion montages that are usually reserved for clubs in the top four and certainly work a lot better if you actually have access to some footage of real football. Sadly, the BBC doesn't cover the championship, so we didn't get the chance to relive any of the highlights of that unforgettable promotion season. Although they could have shown some action from our 4-0 FA Cup win live on the BBC against Leicester especially as Lineker wasn't there. We were solemnly informed that there had been a toxic atmosphere at the club when Coops took over, which can't have helped predecessor Chris Hewton. Clearly, since Cooper arrived, the air quality has improved in parallel with the team, possibly something to do with the sweet smell of success being preferable to the stench of failure. There were some pictures from the playoff final and a bit of Matt Ford declaring that Forrest promotion was one of the biggest footballing miracles ever, showing a stand-up comedian's flair for the callback with an oblique reference to I Believe in Miracles and striking a further blow to Leicester fans, who insist that their league title win in 2016 is the greatest miracle to hit the East Midlands since Richard III managed to find space in a city centre car park. After the match highlights, we were back pitch side with Matt Ford's former classmate Genus and colleagues, with the trio now joined by Steve Cooper himself, who did the full I don't want to talk about referees, but I'm going to anyway routine, so beloved to Premier League managers. But my eye was drawn to what was going on in the background, where a procession of individuals in red high-vis jackets could be seen marching along the bottom of the stand, to what purpose I knew not. It put me in mind of 90s computer game Lemmings, in which the player has to somehow prevent a long line of brainless rodents marching off the edge of a cliff. I allowed myself to imagine the line of high-vis wearers marching mindlessly out of the stadium and plunging into the trent, while Coops desperately tried to figure out a way of getting a blocker, let's say Joe Worrell or possibly Felipe, to bar their path and send them back in the other direction. Well, if he could keep Forrest up last season... Things then got even more surreal as a hooded figure in what appeared to be a fluffy purple dressing gown appeared behind Coops and strolled across the pitch unencumbered. I suppose it might have been Harry Arter. After showing Saturday's goals, the guys finally got round to acknowledging that there had been another team involved, interviewing Thomas Frank, who performed a slight variation on the I don't want to talk about a referee's routine called I don't want to talk about VAR. He was good value, deflecting Glenn Murray's attempt to get him to admit that Brentford are missing Ivan Tony, without so much as an oblique reference to the irony of the Forest goal being set up by Harry Toffolo. Goal of the month was postponed, presumably due to the technical difficulties of interleaving it with an outside broadcast, but disappointingly they were able to put together the execrable too good, too bad. Surely the least amusing piece of football content since Tim Lovejoy left Soccer AM. It's actually a genuinely good idea, something that looks at some of the quirkier things that happen on a football pitch but don't lead to goals, but still contribute to the matchday experience, if only they'd get some decent writers on it. The comedic highlight was our Jace admonishing a player for handling the ball with the witty rejoinder, Are we playing football or handball, eh? As banter goes, it's so dated that even Roy Hodgson thinks it's a bit old hat. It really needed a badumtish. 
As it was, we were left with a nagging sense of dissatisfaction at Forest, dropping two points at home after not convincing against Burnley or Sheffield United. After winning away at Chelsea, let's hope it's not our home form that lets us down this season. Now that really would be too bad. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro, and Tom, Adam, and George. And thanks to Jeremy for another sketch. Still to come, we'll have more discussion about matters on and off the pitch, and we will also have a game of Guess That Red. Before then, just a few updates about this podcast. For the 23-24 season, 1865 is sponsored by Green King Sports, where football is more than a game. Their venues are showing every televised forest fixture over the course of the season. So instead of turning to the internet for a dodgy stream, get your mates together and get down to your local Green King pub and get closer to the action. They've recently launched the Green King Sports Instagram page, which will be home to fan content, including our very own George, deals and competitions throughout the season. Drop them a follow and you won't just be the first to know about all of this. You'll be helping us here at 1865. I'll also just very briefly mention that we had our our first 1860 live event a couple of weeks ago before the Brentford match, uh, where Stephen, Ellie and and Ellie's dad actually were discussing a few things to do with Forrest and previewing the game. And we're hoping to have more of those throughout the season. So keep an eye on our social media feeds for more of that kind of thing. Now it's time to hear from you, the listeners. So we published some polls and we asked your views. So let's see what you thought. So the first question that I asked you was, who's your favourite new signing so far? And I gave you the options of Ola Aina, Nico Dominguez, Anthony Alanga, and then other. And uh, Nico Dominguez was was by far the most popular choice, getting just shy of uh, 66% of the vote. Ola Aina got 23%. Um, and I mean, that, I suppose, goes in terms of what we've already discussed. The next question was, how would you rate the job that Steve Cooper has done at Forest so far this season? 50% of you went for top notch and 44% of you went for good. Uh, there's one and a half percent who chose should do better. So I think we found the Derby fans. Then who is Forest player of the season so far? And again, I gave the options of Ina, Dominguez, Awanyi, and then other. And uh, Ola Ina came out on top this time, getting 47% of the vote with Nico Dominguez getting 18% and Taiwo getting 32%. I think sometimes it's worth remembering that you know, where we are. And Nico Dominguez has only really played two or three games. Taiwo was absolutely imperious. And unfortunately, now he's injured. So I think the votes reflect that. And then last but not least, where do you think Forrest will finish in the Premier League this season? So this is a recurrent vote that I will be putting throughout the uh, the season. And 
2% have gone first to seventh position. So I think we found Tom and his family voting there. Uh, then we've got 40% who reckon Forrest can finish eighth to twelfth. So that's George and his family. And then the rest of us, 57.5% have gone for 13th to 17. Um, 0.7% have gone for relegation. So once again, I think we found the fact that Twitter or X is a publicly facing platform, which even Derby fans go on. Um, Tom, have you got any thoughts about those figures and those votes? I'd love to meet the 0.7% who put relegation down, whether they're from the other end of the 52 and the jealous. But um, no, I think the 57.5, um, 13th to 17th, round about right. Off. I think we'll probably finish around about 12th to 13th. I don't think we'd be as low as like 16th or 17th um, this season. So yeah, right. If it's around about what 11th, 12th, 13th, I'd be relatively happy with that. And it just shows the um, upward trajectory from last season of progressing this football club in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think we've got a bit of a consensus there, both with, with our listeners and indeed with each other. Um, George, uh, you know, it's it's not surprising to see Ola Aina as well um, grabbing, grabbing the headlines there as the player of the season so far. I personally can't argue with that. Yeah, I think Dominguez and Murillo by the end of the season might have that accolade. But as for now, Aina has been fantastic. The, the two games, like I said in the intro, that, that stuck out for me was Arsenal um, and Burnley. At the Arsenal game, um, down that left-hand side, it was his debut. I know he's played in the Premier League before, but that's not the easiest place, having been out of English football for a, a year or two in Italy, to come back and play up against Bakayo Saka. But I think him and McKenna down that side did brilliantly. I know what people might say, oh, Saka scored. But from that side, but that was from a corner that we didn't clear. We weren't in our defensive shape, and it, 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 players like that need one chance in a game. But in terms of their orthodox attacking, everything came down Martinelli's side. You know, Aina and McKenna were fantastic against him. They um, quietened him down. I think I think he did a go off injured in the end or something like that. But mm-hmm. he, he, they were fantastic against him. And the other game was the Burnley game because um, uh, was it Zorori or something? Their winger was tearing Montiel to pieces. Absolutely tearing to pieces and Collio Show. Collio Show. Collio Show. There you go. Yeah. Um, and he had to come off, didn't he, Montiel? But Aina went to that side and suddenly it was like he wasn't on the pitch. He quite yeah. nothing got past him. And in the end they took the guy off. So they're the two games that he really shone out for me. But in in all the games that he's played, he's looked fabulous. Um he's offered balance going forward and defensively he's been I think that's been his strength. And as far as go towards a four at the back having a, a more exposed defensive player in that position is more important um, to keep the balance of the side going. So I, I agree with that, Olerena. But um, for the signing as well, I mean, you, you could have put about 10 lists on there, which shows, again, the recruitment that Forrest have done. You could have chose Marilla, you could have chose Dominguez, you could have chose Sangare, hudson Adoy, uh, Ilanga. So... Yeah, the, fa- the, fact, the, for that the fact that Sangare didn't even get on the list yeah. um, probably speaks volumes. And I think that list will revise at uh, many points. I mean, what I'll just very quickly mention about the Burnley match is to paraphrase what Tom said, which is that, you know, you've got Montiel, who's a World Cup winner, scored these uh, big game penalties and so on. And, and he looked like Guy Ten Bong on his debut, um, <laughs> whereas Aina came on and uh, or moved over rather to the right hand side. And it was just it, a, an absolute world of difference. Tom, you want to comment on your own comment uh yeah um i i wasn't saying montiel was as bad as bong because that that takes a, um, a special kind of play but no i just thought as debuts went 
it didn't go according to plan and it was like a bong-esque debut not Oh, now he's finding his diplomacy. There you go. Yeah, so um, (laughs) I had to explain myself on on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. But but no, um, Montiel, since the the Burnley game, he's gone to show what kind of player he is. He had a really good game against Manchester City. He had a pretty solid game um, against Crystal Palace when uh, Raksaki came on and he kept switching sides and everything. And he nearly scored. So, so yeah... um, you don't get into the Argentina squad and and be a World Cup winner if you're a dud. So yeah, I'll just and it and it uh, just goes to sh- just goes to show as well that the Premier League is really hard to get into. And um, Adam, just very quickly, um, it's, it was quite interesting that um, Steve Cooper explicitly said, I think it was after the Brentford match um, about how he's really happy for Sangare to be getting the minutes to be getting to grips with the Premier League, but he's not ready to play as the number six yet. So he's keeping on playing Mangala in that role and playing Sangare as a, as a, as a number eight, because it's just, you really have to get your head in the game to be in the Premier League, don't you? Yeah, Sangare has all the attributes to be a top, top Premier League midfielder, but it, it, it's not done overnight and it does take time. It's a very difficult league to adjust to and adapt to, but I've no doubt that he will. Um, and, and like we said, Monty, I think Monty will, was poor against Burnley, but I think he's been poor since. I think he's definitely a, a player that looks like he's going to be a really good signing for us. And that adaption period is always going to happen. And I think that you can't... I mean, it's like, I think Ola Ryan has settled so well because he's probably already played in the Premier League. And I think that may have sort of helped him. And he's been around the English game a long time at Chelsea as well. So I think that might have helped him adjust and adapt quicker. Um, on the player of the season debate, though, it was, I still think it could be Morgan Gibbs White. I, I think that I know that he's had a lot of stick from, let's just say, some quote mark fans on Twitter that he's not good enough or and all this sort of stuff. And I think he's just playing a different role. Last season, we everything went through him, and we relied on him for everything. Him and Johnson that was relied on for everything. And this season, the difference is we don't rely on him for everything, so not everything's going through him but he still covers the most ground of any Forest player most games. He's still absolutely grafting for the team. And I think that he's a player that coming into the season, I think still could be player of the season. George? I don't think it can be underestimated. The summer that he's had, he played pretty much every game for us in the Premier League. He was playing internationally for England. Then he went away and had that brilliant um, time at the World Cup or Euros for, for England. Then he came back within, I think he had 10 days off. Then he's playing back in training. He's uh, recently is pregnant, isn't she? Brittany's yeah. pregnant. So he's gone through a lot. So I think he had that um, game on the bench a f- few weeks ago. He's had this international break to reset. So I think this could only be the beginning of Gibbs White's season, really. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think one of the things that's I think Cooper's trying to build in is this idea that um, that we have got capacity so that when players like Morgan need a rest, we can do it but without too much detriment. Now, obviously, in the, in, in the event, we needed him to come off the bench and try and provide a bit of inspiration. But, um, but you know, that's that was circumstance as much as anything else. Um, now, let's move on from there uh, just very quickly to think about the next few weeks. Um, so we've got in before the next international break, we've got Luton, Liverpool, Villa and Brighton. There's no easy games in the Premier League and all the other assorted cliches that go with it. Um, so just very quickly, quick fire round. Um, how many points and goals are you expecting from those four matches, Tom? I'll probably say seven, 
seven points and similar amount of goals. Um, I think the game against Liam Luton, I think that has to, well, one, it has to be a must win and I can't see us losing or drawing that game because of the, I think the quality, what we've got, especially at home, I think would be too much for Luton. Um, we did all that against Liverpool last year, but they've obviously, with um, Dominic Slobosley playing, they've seemed to hit another gear this season. They've been pretty impressive and Villa a bit up and down because of their um, European adventure at the moment, but they did, um, I can't remember what the gate game was before uh, the international break but they look pretty impressive then Brighton Brighton are pretty decent but then obviously is that game home, home or away home, home, home so, yeah. so yeah I think yeah you're looking to get there yeah I'd probably go with a draw for that one but like or whatever but it's nice to get seven points and just like keep you away from I don't think we'd be in a relegation battle this season but um, with games at home I think um and with this international break and obviously the players bedding in and game by game, I think would be, um, yeah, seven points be a decent return. Oh, I, I jumped ahead of myself. I, I've done myself a mischief because actually the um, uh, the Brighton match is after the international break. It's West Ham away. So, uh, so yeah, so actually it adds a different dimension. Are you still going for seven points? Um, well, West Ham are in similar boat, aren't they, with this um, uh, European adventure, what they're on. So, um, and I think, we got smashed there 4-0, but that's when we started messing about with the midfield and trying to win the game and it backfired. So, yeah, if we improve there um, against West Ham and hopefully, I think we've got enough quality to get something at the taxpayers' stadium. So, um, so yeah, I'd, yeah, say seven points. I think the Liverpool game be is obviously the hardest game out of that series of games. Um, so, okay. so, yeah, seven points I'll go for. Send your thoughts on Twitter or X to at TNewton underscore 88. George, how many points and goals would you hope for from those four matches? Luton, Liverpool, Villa and West Ham. I'll be a bit more conservative than Tom. I'm going to say five points. Like he says, that home game against Luton is a game that Forest have to win. I think, remind me of, because uh, a few of my friends here are, are Chelsea fans at uni and they had they play Burnley. And after the international break, they've got a really tough run. And that's the game that they thought, right, we've got to win this, otherwise... You know, we've got an awful run coming up and it's not an awful run, but Liverpool, Villa, West Ham and then Brighton isn't great. So that Luton game, I think, has got to be three points. And then I'd be happy with a couple of draws from the other two games as long as Forrest continue. The one criticism I've had of Cooper so far is sort of we seem to make progress and then he, he often goes back to being more defensive. So I hope for these those three games we keep playing that possession football and, and we don't revert back to playing five at the back and getting scared of Liverpool, getting scared of Anfield. So I'm hoping that if we play that possession football and tr- try and just play as Nottingham Forest, as this new Nottingham Forest, we can impose themselves on the game and we can cause. I mean, Brighton aren't great defensively this season and Liverpool haven't been looked that great at the back either. So I think five points has got to be the aim. Uh, a few goals against uh, Luton, hopefully. And I think five points, similar to what we've got in this little period. I think the period that I'm looking at is after the international break next time. But I think we've got Everton, Fulham and then Wolves as, as a three games, which I know that's a long way in the future, but that's the run that I think Forrest have got to be targeting to really make a push up the league. Mm, OK, Tom, you wanted to briefly come in there? Yeah, George just mentioned it. Um, it has been a bit of a common trend um, 
coming from last season into this season is that for the first half an hour, we look very, very good. We're looking to like hit teams on the front foot and everything. Then if we don't get that goal water, we're going to a shell a bit and we uh, just like make mistakes or not make the right decisions, etc. So yeah, when, when we're in the ascendancy, we've got to keep on doing it. Um, but yeah, it's been a trend from last season that was just stop doing the right things after half an hour if we don't get that early goal. Not just that as well. I think the most pleasing bit in many ways about the Palace match was that period 46 to 55 minutes we've looked terrible for about six months in that period and really vulnerable and so we we, we kind of kept it tight there anyway that's a bit of a digression let's go to adam your prediction for points and goals oh i might get some stick for mine um three points um uh, maybe, maybe i'm negative i don't think that we get anything against villa or liverpool away i, I, I think that's quite a optimistic viewpoint that we get anything there. The West Ham game, look, we could get a point there. It depends on the Europa League tiredness, if you will. But again, the, the London Stadium has been a tough ground to go to this season. I, just, I, I don't see as. I mean, I think I think we'll beat Luton comfortably if that makes sense. I think we'll beat Luton three or four now. If we score first against Luton, we will absolutely pummel them because they they'll have to come out. And Famous last apart. words there from everyone in terms yeah, of Luton being being three points. Come back, come he can come back to me. He can. I don't mind. I don't mind. Um, but no, I, I don't. I think Luton are one of the worst teams to ever play in the Premier League, and I think they'll break Derby's record. I think they're absolutely pitiful football club this season, and that's not all their fault. It's just that they got promoted and they didn't have a big budget, and they've had to sort of go with what they've got. And but I they just, I don't think they belong at this level. I don't think they're promoted on merit, Next but... week's match reports. Okay. Adam, what so Adam, what seat number are you? What stand are you sitting at? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Adam, Adam is very sensibly not on social media anymore. So there you go. They can yeah. see why. <laughs> Okie doke. Right, let's let's move on. Let's move on. And um, so it's uh, thank you for you very much for your contributions. But it's now time for this. Eighteen sixty-five. Yes, that red. So it's time for another game of Guess That Red. Uh, Quizmaster George is going to ask us some questions about Forest player past or present, and we have to try and guess who it is. So do play along at home as usual, and it's over to you, Quizmaster George. Okay, so clue one. Born in Swindon, I made my professional debut for Coventry in 2003 on loan from Southampton before I moved to Manchester City in 2006. Nothing. All right, clue number two. Uh, Now 37, in my youth, I was capped for England's under-19s eight times and made two appearances in the Premier League during my time at the Etihad. Now, these were the looks I was after. (laughs) So, uh, but the forest clothes are coming now so that might be a bit more favourable so I made 82 appearances for Forest the club that I played for the second most in my career and was managed by Dougie Friedman Philippe Montagnier Mark Warburton and Aitor Karanka someone throw a name out there come on (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think about ex City players. It's really difficult. Um, I, I'll throw a name out there just to get the ball rolling. I think it's wrong. Ishmael Miller. 
did not play 82 times for Forest, but he did play for Man City. No. <laughs> okay, uh, this gives his position away. So despite being a centre-half, I did manage to score six goals in the Garibaldi, including a brace against Fulham in 2015. Upon leaving Forest in 2018, I had spells at Barnsley, Forest Green, and a year in the Indian Super League between those two clubs. Matt Mills. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Can you believe there's going to be there's going to be outraged Forest fans? He played 82 times. He wore the armband for us. <laughs> so, what were the other clues, George? A final clue was upon arrival in 2015, I took the number five shirt from Danny Collins and wore it until my departure on deadline day in 2018, when last month's answer, Adlan Gediora, took the shirt from me. Ah, there you go. So thank you very much, George, and congratulations, Adam. Now, as always, your reward is that you get to choose this month's outro music. So have you had a think about what song you'd like? No idea. <laughs> okay, I, I don't so... usually get the questions right, mate. So <laughs> It's true. Adam, you've got to go for um, American Boy by Estelle and Kanye West for Callum hudson Adoy. Callum hudson Adoy. Yes. Okay. Yeah, let's do that one. Let's, let's go. Let's do that one. Well, that's not really Adam choosing it, but we'll go for that. Um, So that brings us to the end of this month's Forest Ramble. Um, Before we leave, we want to say thank you to today's panel, Tom, Adam and George, and also to Callum and to Jeremy. Remember that we're also supported by FanHub and you can use their app to predict your team and log your attendance at matches and find Forest fans in your area and message other Red supporters. You can use our golden ticket 186ERG to join the fun keep an eye on our social media for updates and our team predictions we are on twitter instagram threads tiktok and youtube and all the links are at 1865.football most of all thank you listener for joining us we'll be back next week with a report after the luton match it's going to be feisty until then from me and the panel thanks for listening Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.